You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination. So pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. everyone welcome to another episode of nerdificent i'm your host if you wide away and sitting across from me as always is danny fernandez how are you doing today i'm doing good iffy i'm feeling why'd you giggle because you're like clutching yourself as you said it yes because we're joined by someone that i'm really excited about oh me too very excited yeah she's great good friend of ours uh Host over at Collider Heroes. You do Callisto 6 at Geek and Sundry. Mm -hmm. Was on Valiant for a spell. The Wednesday Club at GNS for a bit. Ooh, and (laughs) she's now at DC Daily. Yeah. And she was on an RPG show with us as well. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together wherever you are in your office cubicle, on the train, or just sitting on the sidewalk for Amy Dallin. How are you doing? I'm feeling astonishingly welcomed. Just welcomed beyond my ability to cope. Thank (laughs) you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for coming through. Yeah, so I think you and I met when we did that show together. Vanquished. Yeah, Vanquished. Uh Uh-huh. It was a Valiant. It was after the Valiant comics. But um, you you also worked, I think, at that time. You were working at a comic book shop as well. I mean, how did you get into... When did you first pick up a comic? Like, what was your first re- memory of, of comics? Oh, yes. Of when okay. you got into comics? So I, I do work at a shop. I have worked there for many years. Uh, but I think, like, I the comic thing with me goes back uh, mostly as far as I can remember. It was, you know, I think we all read whatever was around. It's like one of my weird side missions is to remind everyone that they already read comics. Because if you read Archie or if you right. read newspaper comics or if you grew up on Asterix and Tintin, like, those are all comics. Comics have been in your brain. Uh, but I definitely hit, like, the X-Men the Animated Series and Batman the Animated Series, like, and then just off to the races after that. Uh, so, yeah, comics, comics quickly followed. I grew up on Calvin and Hobbes. Yes. Ooh, wow. That was my jam. And the Sunday funnies. Like yeah. my dad and I used to have a like coffee. He would take me out on like sun- and Sunday mornings. We would go and get coffee like me and him. And he would give me that that 
section of the newspaper. It was always my favorite. That and Far Side. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's that's what I would read. Is I wanted to read comics, comics, quote unquote, so bad. But my dad, you know, never was putting money out for it. He was like, you should read books. And I was like, oh, parents, just know reading comics is reading. Don't fall into my dad's trap. You can have a son that's a doctor instead of a comedian. Uh, <laughs> but... I do remember it was Sunday Funnies for me. And then one time I was in a thrifty. I remember those. Uh, and they had they were selling comics. And they had, I was able to grab Bloodshot and yes. Spawn. Those were like the two I grabbed because, of course, it was the 90s and I was a young boy. So I was like, murder. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, like, I, as a kid, we'd be on road trips and it would be, you'd just be at, like, at, a, at a gas station. And there'd be like a three-pack of random comics. One issue of Magnus Robot Fighter. And yeah. one issue, and you would just be like, I'll figure it out. I don't know who these yeah. people are, but I will. You know? And it was there was some of that joy of just, like, whatever you happen to come across, we were all just so hungry for it. Yeah. Also, there was that short stint where they had the Spider-Man comic in the Sunday Funnies, and that's I, I lived for it. But it, but it would like it wasn't consistent. Whatever, probably because my dad wasn't getting the same paper. But like sometimes it would be there, and that's what initially was like. Oh, I need to find Spider-Man. Yeah, it is so funny because we don't really consider, I think, like Garfield and Peanuts and Mm -hmm. stuff to be comics, but they are. They absolutely are. And they grow out of the same traditions. Like in some ways, newspaper comics came first. And then they were like, what if we bind them up in magazines? Maybe that'll work. And, you know, the whole thing fed into itself. And now webcomics are kind of inheriting both legacies. Oh, yeah. It's super fascinating. It's crazy to see how much the webcomic industry has blown up. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I have a friend, uh, Austin Marie. She does a webcomic, Soul on Hold, and she has like over like a hundred thousand people ready to read it. And I was like, man, I didn't know the community was booming because I tried to do webcomics when I was in high school. It was called really? Evolution Mangas, yeah, because I was a weeb. So I was like, we're not wow. making comics, Manga's we're plural? making manga. Yeah, manga. <laughs> yes. It was real cool too because like the site I mentioned before, Polycarbon BBS, there was one guy from the site who I knew from there who did comics and I was like, hey, just send them to me and I was just going to upload pages to this website because I learned how to make websites. And they're still there. I mean, don't go to, you can Google Evolution Mangas, make sure all your ad blockers are up because it is one of the, because it's so funny because Websites are almost like buildings. If you just leave them online, like that site has been live since I was in high school. It's still live to this mm-hmm. day. That's amazing. And now it's just infected and slow. It's just like a building that if it was unattended for all these years, it's just. <laughs> well, did, if you, did living you, in that website. Yeah. Did you hear about how MySpace finally deleted? Yeah. Every, and everyone's like, thank God. I know. <laughs> Nothing's coming back I mean, there's me. a ton of people that were really upset because they had, you know, I guess uh, high school photos and things on there. Oh, yeah. But I think like 99% of us were like, cool, cool. Don't have to worry about <laughs> yeah. that ever again. And that... my angsty, like my chemical romance, you know, bio and <laughs> something corporate, Jack's mannequin. That was my, <laughs> that was what? my, oh, yeah, like SoCal rock. Cause I grew up here. Yeah. Um, and in a, in Orange County and then later in Texas. But yeah, so that was my angsty, like warped tour years. <laughs> yes. And you're <laughs> saying this those. is gone now? I'm so sad. Yeah. No, I, I mean, but the that meat that that like that rock isn't as prevalent, I would say, today mm. as it used to be. And I definitely don't go to the although we did go to warp tour, if you remember last year. Right? <laughs> we went to warp tour because Valiant, who yeah. we were we had our show with 
was sponsoring Warp Tour. It was really cool how comics and music crossed over in that way, that yeah. it became like more mainstream yeah. with them because they uh, Valiant had a bunch of their characters and stuff at Warp Tour, yeah. and they were on all of their all of their um, yeah their flyers and stuff. So I did go. Recently, so full circle. It was all relevant working. Isn't that weird? That building up, mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. full circle. I guess I wanted to know how did you move from just liking comics to doing what you do now? I mean, Ify and I had an episode about how we got into it, but how did you make that jump to like being at Geek and Sundry or working at a comic book store? Like, yeah. what made it turn from just a hobby to your career? It, it, that, that's a really good question because it was always that like that thing that I was doing instead of whatever I was supposed to be doing, obviously. Um, I did not major in comics. Uh, but I, you know, I had always been interested in entertainment stuff and I moved out here after school uh, and I needed just like a day job. And it was just that, you know, you always had that like, well, I'd love to work in a bookstore or a comic book store. And I got lucky and I asked at the right store on the right day uh, a, a lovely place called House of Secrets in Burbank. And it just, it like, that love and that joy kind of took over. And at the same time, I was studying entertainment and I was studying communication and all this stuff. And just the, the sort of right, weird sequence of dominoes fell uh, that I got to know some of the folks over at Geek and Sundry. And they were launching, this was, this is ancient internet history now. Ooh, but yeah. They were launching a vlogs channel, like a side channel, which would be people sort of making videos about their own interests. And I had never made videos before, but I at that point had accumulated like a lot of hours of talking about nerd stuff because we can't be stopped. We all accidentally developed that skill because we're like, okay, we got 10 minutes at lunch break and I'm going to convince you that this is awesome. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a muscle that to some extent we all hone because we are unstoppable monsters of loving things. And uh, so somehow that that all just came together and I learned as, uh, enough about making videos to start shooting some stuff in my bedroom uh, and talking about comics. And then just one thing led to another. And now I've gotten to do a whole lot of uh, explaining nerd stuff and things I care about to folks. And we've landed in this bizarre world where we all met each other playing an RPG show. And it's all very unrealistic, but really, really fun. <laughs> Super unrealistic. <Yeah. laughs> I know, like, that's one of the things where it's like at this point in our careers, if we were to go back to our younger selves and try and explain what we're doing now, they'd be like, you're a liar, charlatan. <laughs> who's trying to get me to not focus on school so that I can, so you can take my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yet, here and we yet, are. Speaking of taking life, Shazam takes life in theaters. In I really the, thought in the that coming was days. in a murder direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the coming days. And now we're here to talk about the origins, the comic book. And if you've never heard of Shazam and you're going in blind, guess what? We're going to give you, you know, a little info about Shazam. And me and Amy talked about this during my uh, Collider's Heroes appearance. If there's mm. something you really wanted to just r- talk about regarding Shazam. Uh, and I think that's a fun way to start off, which is the lawsuit. <laughs> yes. Okay, so that thing I mentioned about, like, how can I make this interesting – I am fascinated by this uh, because the short version is that Shazam used to outsell Superman, DC sued him out of existence, then eventually they bought the rights and now they can't use the name. And it's just like the full version of that. Oh, and like as a side note out of left field, indirectly inspired one of the greatest temporarily lost works in comics because Alan Moore's Miracle Man is traced back to this exact same legal nonsense. 
Uh, so I don't know how 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 deep into this can we go? Well, we touched just a tiny bit. We touched on it in our Captain Marvel episode because there's no way to not talk about it because yeah. it was originally Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. So Tiffany and I touched on it a tiny bit, but um, yeah. So essentially, he was at Fawcett Comics, yes. right? So that was his when he originally. That was where we trace everything back to. But it's essentially they were copying Superman. Is that correct? It's one ish. Of, it, ish. It, it's one of those like we we can't exactly pull them up and ask them, but uh, they're so. I how much are folks listening? Maybe should we some familiarity with the golden age of comics? Yeah, sure. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, so comics as we know them, like binding them up in magazines and telling serialized stories, kind of come into their own uh, or come into existence in the late 1930s. And, like, the big guy, the first one out the gate, uh, the somehow just immediately set it off with a run was Superman in Action Comics number one. Uh, And that's 1938. Uh, By whatever cover date, February 1940, I want to say, there have already been, like, he's immediately a sensation. He's selling like crazy. Oddly enough, they designed him to be a newspaper strip. Uh, It didn't sell, so they pasted it together and made a comic out of it. but he's immediately a sensation, and people do legitimately start running to be like, we need a Superman. Get us a Superman. And you can interpret that to mean literally copy Superman, which some people definitely did, or you could mean we would like a hit comic, make it about a strong guy. And somewhere in the middle of that, you get Fawcett Comics, who set out to create, if you look at the covers of the the first issues as we know them, it's, it's a strong guy in a cape throwing a car. There's, there's a lot of... A uh, common ground there, but it is funny because to us as readers now, these characters are hugely dissimilar. There's really not, like, for a comic book reader in 2019, there's basically nothing in common between I am the last son of an alien race who has powers because of our son and saves the world uh, as an adult named Clark Kent and also Superman, and uh, the the other version, which is, I am a 12 to 16-year-old homeless <laughs> newspaper-selling kid who shouts a magic word that a wizard gave me and turns <laughs> into, uh, like, for us, those are totally different concepts. But if you put your brain back in, like, 1938 to 1940, they were sort of like, whoa, 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 we just invented this, I'm wearing long underwear and I'm incredibly strong and pretty much bulletproof and do similar things. And DC, like, as soon as they had Superman, they had to start fighting all of these knockoffs, some of the some of which were definitely 100% knockoffs because there were a lot of shady people in comics and, yeah. you know, still continue to be, but especially back then. <laughs> they were all, like, bootlegging half the time. Uh, that's a whole thing with paper supplies. Actually came in with, like, liquor bootlegging. Anyway, uh, comics are shady. And DC, from the very start, was fending off imitations. So even though uh, Shazam to us seems very, very different... They, they, like, one of their first cases came up before this particular judge with this crazy name, Billings Learned Hand, uh, was the judge in one of these first cases that was, like, clearly an infringement, strong guy, does all this stuff, you're doing Superman, you're not allowed to do that. And uh, in 1941, I want to say, DC filed suit against Fawcett for their substantially similar Captain Marvel character, uh, or what seemed at the time, like, you know, a substantially similar one, who, by the way, over, as I'm sure y'all are also going to get into, at some point, starts outselling Superman. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it was the most top-selling comic for its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, becomes wildly popular. Gets a whole extended family. Basically, invents the extended family of superheroes before Superman. Right. 
Uh, and there's all these reasons that you might be like not happy that this other magazine exists. That would piss me off so <laughs> much if I created Superman and someone bootlegged him and then it outsold me. Oof. Oh, that would be. <laughs> That would be. Anyways, they made up because they're both at the same franchise now, so that's cool. But it, it all works please out. Con- <laughs> please in continue. The end. But like you know, the legal stuff takes forever, right? So the the suit's filed in like 1941, and a decision doesn't come down until like 1948. And you can look into this. It is this totally bizarre technicality about whether DC shared the rights with this company that was helped publishing a newspaper comic and therefore had forfeited something about the copyright. So the weird thing is that first result comes down and Fawcett wins. Wow. There's this weird technicality that sort of says like, oh, actually, we're throwing this out because of whatever. So obviously DC appeals, um, or the company that we now know as DC, which was probably National Periodical at the time. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Comic book company names change all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so they appeal, and they land in front of Judge Billings' learned hand. The same dude who, by this time, like, eight or 12 years earlier, had been on one of the very first Superman infringement cases, ends up the appeals guy who's looking at this, like, newly renewed fight. And he basically says, that technicality thing was dumb. It's obvious that they weren't, that this thing doesn't cause them to lose their copyright. And I do, looking at what you all presented, it seems clear that some level of copying existed But essentially what he said is, I'm kicking it back down to the other courts, and to settle this, you need to find the specific examples. And that would mean both companies going through the entire history by this time, the like 12 to 14 years of publishing of each of these, to be like, the first time you bounced a bullet off your chest, the first time you jumped real high, the first time, and to sort of fight it out count by count. Wow. Now, since he'd also said... Basically, you did establish that some level of copying existed. Fawcett but was sort of like, this doesn't look great for us. Because he's basically saying, you're going to lose at least some of this fight if you go back down to the lower courts and settle it all, right? Uh, and by this time, it is the early 1950s, and superheroes go out of style. Yeah. So already the circulation is falling. Already everybody's like, this superhero bubble is bursting. And... uh we're not sure it's ever coming back. Now, comic book fans know that it's coming back. There's going to be a thing called the Silver Age. It's only a couple of years away. It's going to inject new life into comics and totally reinvent things. Spider-Man's going to get here. Hal Jordan and Barry Allen are going to get here. Uh, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, it's all about to blow up. But in the early 50s, it looked like that part was dying. So essentially, Fawcett goes, okay, so it looks like we're going to lose if we fight this out. And uh, these magazines aren't selling like they used to. So... Let's just basically call it a day. They they had to pay, the rumor is $400,000 plus costs to DC and agree to stop publishing their Captain Marvel character. Didn't that put them out of business? I believe that they, like, they either stopped doing, I, I don't, I, I don't 100% know. I feel like Fawcett Comics stopped being a thing. And I don't know to what yeah, extent Yeah, I know they had to a... fire their two, yeah. Fawcett shut down its comics division in the autumn of 1953 and fired its comic book staff. Yeah, so, and then two of them, Otto Binder and Kurt uh, Schaffenberger, ended up at DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, being prominent members of the creative team for the Superman-related comics from 1954 through the 1960s. That to <laughs> me is just funny that it's like, uh, yeah. well, <laughs> we got fired and now we're going to work on the thing that we were going up against. But yeah, yeah so that uh, that sounds like it shut them, at least their comics part, uh, 
So in the meantime, all these so so Billy Batson, aka Shazam, uh, as I'm now finally used to calling him, because spoiler alert, that's just his name now, uh, due to complicated shenanigans that will follow. All of his like supporting cast and family, like Mary Marvel and Captain Marvel Jr. and all that stuff. You you eventually got Supergirl, uh, I think co-created by Otto Binder, um, who had wow. worked on all of the Captain Marvel stuff. Uh, you get all like all this talent is still there. They're still working on comics. Superman keeps grows the rest of his family, so they they sort of the borrowing legacy is completed there. And uh, they, yeah, they survive on in. It's fascinating because those original comics that you're talking about, it says Shazam across the comic book. And then underneath it, it says the original Captain Marvel. Now, I think that is the branding that they went with in the early 70s when DC, DC yeah. got the rights. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, so like a lot of things happened to Captain Marvel because he missed the 60s. It, it's one of those things that comic book fans talk about a lot where essentially... He didn't have a silver age. He had a golden age. And then when yeah. he showed back up, we were in bronze, <laughs> um, which is according to the way fans divide up the eras of comics, they, they sort of have different hallmarks. And bronze was when they took the the relatability and imagination and promise of the 60s and they got sort of a little grittier with it in the bronze age. You get the Punisher in the bronze age. It's uh, often marked by often you mark the beginning of the bronze age by the death of Gwen Stacy. Uh, uh, but Shazam, this like beautiful, childlike, big red cheese of a character, had no sort of transitional period. So DC got the rights to him and brought him back, but it never 100% took off the way they wanted it to. And it's like, I, I was just thinking about this earlier, and I, I don't know how to connect these dots, but we always talk about that and him sort of missing that. And then we also talk about the there's so many different approaches for handling the character who is sometimes a kid and sometimes an adult. And it's weird to me that he now echoes his own history because he had no middle period. He only had kid and adult. Mm -hmm. He missed a whole phase. <laughs> you might have covered this on the Captain Marvel episode. So where does Captain Marvel come in? Like, why did they go with Captain Marvel after all that? Well, I think that that so he was originally Captain Marvel. I think they liked the name of it, to be honest, and it was a part of the Marvel family. It was, you know, before Marvel was Marvel. So I think it was just the word Marvel just sounded cool. Like, yeah. oh, Captain Marvel. And Yeah, what, what you're getting at there, I think, is the other thing. What he missed while he was gone is that the company that had been Atlas and Timely rebranded itself right. as Marvel Comics and became just the biggest thing in the universe. So that's the other thing that happened in the 60s while he was off the scene is that suddenly Marvel was strongly associated with comics, but it meant something totally different. Right. And like there's so there's this weird speaking of comics being shady. There's this other random tiny company that noticed in the mid 60s that nobody was using the Captain Marvel name. And they started this this frankly terrible looking superhero whose power is that he falls apart. Like, just all his limbs fly off, and then he uh, fights Relatable. <laughs> it, and it went, it went like, four or five issues, and they just kind of gave up. Uh, and uh, Marvel Comics, which by this time is getting very into, like, branding themselves. They've got the Soapbox. They've got the Mary Marvel Marching Society. They were sort of like, yeah. we can't leave that name sitting around. Right. Somebody do something. And they got their own Captain Marvel, which they've had basically ever since. What was so that's what happened in the 60s. I was going to say, what was funny to me in uh, in Captain Marvel, the film, is, you know, Marvel, which is what was the original name, Marvel. And it was funny when people were like, don't you think 
like I think people didn't make the connection and were like, isn't it awkward that they have to keep saying the name of their company? <laughs> I was like, kind of, but also not really. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is, but also, and then, you know, they like suggest Marvel sounds good, you know, and I'm just like, just, they're flying around. Nothing makes sense. It's yeah. chill. It's chill. Uh, the one comment before we move on that I wanted to say is the the idea of a character whose limbs just fall apart reminds me of something from Action League Now. Oh, Do you yeah. remember Kablam in yeah. Action League oh, Now? Yeah. Oh, that God. Was, that, that was, was like hit. 90s Nickelodeon. Someone was just showing me Kablam. Like, yeah. It was a thing oh, that I missed so somehow. Really? Get oh, so much my so But uh, my favorite was uh, Melt Man with the yeah, power melt to melt. <laughs> Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, so if 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 I don't know if this is the right time for it, but the other hilarious thing that happened when Fawcett shut down is that there had been a company in England that was basically a big part of their business and then was just to republish these very popular Captain Marvel adventures, right? And then all of a sudden, out of what seemed to them like nowhere, it was like, just kidding, there are no more. Uh, and so they sort of scrambled around and got one of their guys to be like, we need something to replace that strip. And that was the birth of a character called Marvel Man in the ah. 1950s in England. Uh, who... We need a thesaurus in here, <laughs> no. to be honest. So These people need a thesaurus. There are other words you could have gone with. <laughs> <laughs> so Mick Anglo creates Marvel Man, who shouts Kimota, which is the word atomic backwards, to transform into his <laughs> alter ego. Uh, the... Not like Shazam at all. Definitely not. <laughs> Uh, and I love that it's like someone literally just got sued over this, guys. But, okay, so they, they do Marvel Man. That happens for a few years. Something happens. They go out of business. It's a little bit vague. But one British kid was, like, on vacation reading Young Marvel Man, which was their version of Captain Marvel Jr., uh, you know, possibly, similar but legally distinct. Uh, and, his, like, it stayed in his little kid brain. And then he grew up and he became Alan Moore. And eventually he was like, I want to bring back that that British superhero <laughs> that I remember from being a kid. But here's what I think would happen, like in a, in a dark, messed up version of that. Yada, yada, yada. That comic is called Marvel Man, which became Miracle Man when they published oh, it over yeah. here, which got involved in a totally unrelated series of lawsuits. Wow. <laughs> and long story short, those rights have now landed at Marvel. Wow. You know, I don't know why I thought you were going to be like, and that kid grew up to be Jeff Johns. That would be amazing as well. I'm yeah. sure he has I'm sure like he has. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, because yeah, everyone that's involved, I feel like, in comic book writing grew up with comics. Yeah. Grew up with comics. We have to take a really quick break, and then we're going to break down the character of Shazam right when we come back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, 
The more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. All right, welcome back y'all and we're back here with Danny and Amy and we're going to we're, we're going to jump into this. So, you know, this that was a fun factoid that you get to talk about with your friends as you sit it. outside the theater waiting <laughs> to go in. Uh it's it's wild, it's great. And now that that's out of the way, let's talk about the product itself and start with Billy Batson. I think that's the one thing everybody knows about the movie now. And now about the property, which has been the same. And that's what I've kind of always liked about Shazam is this hero seems like the one hero that you get to be like, you know, that kind of what it would be like if I had superheroes. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited about the movie kind of exploring that idea. And I love that because I, I feel like probably part of the reason it went over so well is that it is it is the most basic wish fulfillment of like. I'm a kid, I'm not strong, I can't fly. Uh, what if I had a magic word that made me Earth's mightiest mortal? Like, done. Everyone's just like, yep, in, go on. Uh, so Billy Batson has had several different origins. They've periodically revamped and tried to retell it, but they all have common DNA, which is that he is a kid. He is usually a homeless kid mm -hmm. uh, or living in a foster home, occasionally living with like a mean uncle, uh, but you, but an generally an orphan, uh, Billy Batson, who originally like a selling newspapers on the street in what I feel like in the 40s where they were all like, we're all depression kids. This seems reasonable <laughs> to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kids work. That's just a thing they do. Like, you know, these th stories are half of them are being written and drawn by 17 year olds who've been supporting their families for years. So I feel like that seemed more normal back then where now we're like, you put a kid in danger. Uh Original Billy Batson is just a kid with a heart of gold who usually lives on the streets and meets a mysterious stranger who convinces him to go, uh, in this case, 
the original one is into a subway tunnel. Where it was it gets so on. creepy. It's, I, <laughs> it's it a, is. It's a tre- He's in a trench coat. Yeah, and it's he's like, just a dude. If this, especially if this comic is for kids. He's just like this shady dude in a trench coat. Yeah. Like, hey, kid, come down to the subway with me. I got something to show you. It's a huge <laughs> don't try this at home. Uh, but a mysterious figure shows up, calls him down. What I love about the mix of, like, because these comics are so unafraid of magic that they're just like, it's a magic subway. Why wouldn't it be a magic subway? Uh, he gets on a subway. It takes him off to a magical place we now know is the Rock of Eternity. He walks past these very menacing statues of the seven deadly sins of mankind. Uh, and he meets a, a second mysterious figure, the wizard Shazam, who tells him essentially... You are the candidate I've been looking for that I can uh, invest my powers in. Essentially, I don't have long. You are the right candidate. Here's how it works. You say my name and you will be transformed. And his name, of course, is an extremely reasonable and normal acronym. <laughs> yes. Uh, it is, let's see. Shazam. S for the wisdom of Solomon. H for the strength of Hercules. A for the stamina of Atlas. Z, for the power of Zeus, including his ability to summon thunderbolts. A, courage of Achilles. And M, the speed of Mercury. So, originally that was just the <laughs> wizard's name, Shazam! Yeah. Uh, which, and that's his, his word of power. Uh, his power gets shared eventually with the other members of the Shazam family, with Mary Marvel, with Captain Marvel Jr., who all have their own independent origins and kind of transformation uh, uh, personas. But uh, that that has more or less stayed consistent. Wizard, sins, magic word, mightiest mortal. One thing that has changed over time is that I think in part to set him apart from other characters, originally he was written as very much like when he turns into Shazam or what would have been Captain Marvel, he's a fully grown dude mm-hmm. who's sort of like, oh, little Billy, I was a close one. And what he missed is that period in the 60s where we tried to get, like, psychologically realistic with comics. So people afterwards have been sort of trying to put the pieces together of, like, are they two different people? Does he have a kid brain and an adult body? And what we're settling into now is much closer to the kid brain and the adult body thing. That Wisdom of Solomon is, like, a sometimes feature. But <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> but it is interesting because that does set him apart, being essentially just, like, kid in a giant powerful He's body and that's what they have big. fun with now yeah, yeah 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 superhero big and then i was gonna say so his yeah his family the marvel family which later i think they moved to shazam family i think just, so yeah yeah but, it took over mm-hmm. which sounds like a normal name to have on your <laughs> mail <laughs> just have everyone this is my the shazam you know i think that's so funny about comics where we talk i think we talked about this with uh, in the harley quinn episode about how the villains like edward did enigma and it was yeah. like oh i wonder who he is yeah yeah <laughs> I wonder who he is. Um, I do love that those original comics, they they have that, like, a lot of, they get made fun of for being cheesy, but, like, there's so much fun to read, and there's so much fun goofiness in them, and they are so unafraid of things like an original character from those stories is Talkie Tawny the Tiger. He is a tiger who talks. Yeah. That's his, he's not, like, you know, later on people would get embarrassed about stuff like that. They'd be like, we need to come up with a complicated reason that this tiger talks. And those comics were just like, I don't know, Hoppy the Marvel Bunny. That's I was about to say that. Yes, Hoppy the Marvel Bunny. So then let's dive in a little bit to his villains because he has two super famous villains. And one of them that I thought was going to be, this isn't a spoiler. This is like, I thought he was going, I haven't seen the film yet, but I thought Black Adam was going to be, but Black Black Adam's getting a solo film. Apparently, yeah. And that might be The Rock. 
It seems It was announced, like- but then the rock is like in his own suit. Whatever is going on with Hobbs and Shaw, I'm like, what? This is this now a superhero? Is if he is the Fast and Furious franchise now a superhero? Oh franchise? yeah, hundred percent. Do you did you not see the new trailer I where know. Idris Elba is now superhuman? And I'm here for it. I love it. I love that he was like, oh, everyone's doing the superhero stuff. We should just make a super. Let's make our Fast and Furious thing just superheroed. Um, okay, so yeah, let's start with Black Adam. Okay, so Black Adam actually had essentially one appearance in the Golden Age, and it's a fantastic story with a great ending that you kind of have to read to believe. But he was a really intriguing character. The idea behind Black Adam is that uh, Billy is not the first champion that the wizards or the elders that he's associated with have chosen. They chose someone a few thousand years ago, and it went badly. This has been told a few different times, and Black Adam even spent some time as a hero, but usually he's just a villain that sort of represents what could go wrong if you chose the wrong candidate for this power. Um, the, the very first origin is that, like, he went super corrupt and mad with power, they exiled him to the other side of the galaxy, and he literally has spent the intervening thousands of years flying here. That was, like, the, the all the explanation you needed in the Golden Age. Uh but he is has become the best known of of the Shazam villains over time. So it was interesting when they went to make the movie where we were like, oh, okay, they're going to have Black Adam right. in it. Oh, my God, The Rock is going to be great. Although, for the record, he also would have been an amazing Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so then they were like, oh, just kidding. It's going to be its own movie. And none of us know what that means yet. I honestly, my opinion of that was, and I was talking to Dan, our producer, before this started, is The Rock is such a big, he has to be the star. You know what I mean? He's such a bit. He's the biggest movie star mm-hmm. that there is. I feel like out right now. Like he sells like no one sells. So if you're gonna get, if you're gonna put him in a movie, he needs to be the star of the movie and not. That was my opinion on it. They they were like, oh, maybe we'll make him this side villain, and then they were like, oh, we're just gonna give him his whole whole entire film. Yeah, <laughs> I just think- want to know if he's still a villain in that film, or if they're doing like the, oh maybe the potentially I guess but like the briefly existing good guy version of him. Well, I don't even know about that, but I think that they're starting to dabble more into, and this is what I do love, how it's told that he might be a villain, but it's like with Venom, mm-hmm. like it's, um, but you're rooting for him. Yeah, yeah, Right? Yeah. So it's this solo film, but for some reason you're rooting for someone that you normally wouldn't necessarily be, depending on how it's told. And they have a lot of room for that with the, uh, I guess, semi-spoilers for the 2011 uh, redo or the the... 2011 to now era redo of the Shazam character. Right. We're finally just calling him Shazam because it simplifies matters. Uh, but they they tweaked Billy for that. They t- they gave him kind of a new, different family situation, but that still like comes clearly from that same legacy. But they added some new characters who I love, and they've they've kind of gone with that version going forward. But they added some new dimensions to Black Adam's story that I wonder if our plans for like long term how to make more out of that character. He's still villainous in that, but they give it some sort of like some some interesting shading that I that I think might be. Might be what they're playing off in the long term. Yeah, so the new 52 run, the 2011 run, I think is what is mainly what this film is. Have you seen it already? I, I have. Okay, so Ivy and I haven't seen it. So yeah. Amy's not going to give anything away. I'm going to be <laughs> so careful. Essentially... But if we're, t- it's okay. But we're, so essentially, that is in what they based this current character, the film adaptation the film is based off of the new 52. Definitely, right? like the story isn't the same story exactly, but the mythology they're using for this film is very clearly that incarnation of Billy and his story. Okay. 
if that makes sense. Uh, so Black Adam had also has, does he also say Shazam? Uh, I believe that is also his magic word, yeah. Okay, because yeah. he has S, the stamina of Shu, H, the speed of Hiru, A, the strength of Amen, Z, the wisdom of... Why does he have different... He got different elders? I guess. He was cursed from the beginning. See, this is not his fault. <laughs> it was It was. They gave not... Billy the good elders. Yeah, these are, him... So the, before that was the <laughs> Greek gods, these all seem like they are, yep, they're Egyptian deities. Because he originally he was sort of sort of Egypt based, and then they invented a country for him to be from, so that oh. they could kind of give it its own history. Uh, and they 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 got involved. Like we haven't even talked about there was a '70s Shazam TV show, and there was a female superhero they made up for that, who then has become part of the mythology. Uh, her name is Isis. That does not work out great for yeah, her yeah, in 2019. Yeah. We're definitely going to get a name change by the movie. Um, uh, but the, that I, they've folded that into sort of the fake country that they made up for Black Adam to be from. But I, I feel like even when Mary Marvel gets her powers, they give it different female goddesses for those uh, letters to be from. I, I think it's just seemed fun is probably the reason. Or they were playing off the fact that he's supposed to be old enough that may, may, using the Greek gods wouldn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh. Weird coincidence, though. Yeah. Good job, wizard. All right, yeah, yeah. So the you know we we did talk about our woes with the Rock not being there, but it seems like the villain that is going to be fe- featured is Doctor Savannah. Can you tell us more about the comic book version of Doctor Savannah? Give give some people some some basis. So the comic book version of Doctor Savannah is one of the oldest supervillains in comics, and he started out as just your basic evil mad scientist. Uh, apparently his likeness was based on Max Shrek being Nosferatu. Uh, uh, and, and it was just sort of like just a creepy-faced dude who want, has bad idea plans for the world. <laughs> he was less on the sort of extreme magic and monster society and other end and, and more just a, a standard, uh, I, I have plans for domination and lots of evil schemes and I'm, I'm sinister and bald. Now, the New 52 version of him is interesting because they're giving him this, this relationship with magic. Like the New 52 comics, he has this magic eye uh, that lets him see through things and kind of gets him involved in the mythology side of it in sort of a more integrated way. But his basic deal has just usually been that he's, he's a bad dude and Captain Marvel needs to stop him. People aren't going to like this, but some of these picks, he looks a little like Heisenberg. Um, oh, and the doctor from Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> Definitely. Sally. Uh, people love my impressions, Ify. They love them. Yeah, yeah. You know, they love it when you're present in the Discord. You know, before you were in there. Oh, they had so some takes. funny. They had some real so, takes. So That's funny. That's all I'm saying. So he, there's also just, for the old school villains, you get some of the, like, the super out there ones. There's tons of weird monsters that he fights. There's literally the Monster Society of Evil that there have been a couple of vo- versions of. There's, like, an evil little worm named Mr. Mind who speaks out of a speaker. This is, if you, I, I have to, a book recommendation. There is a Please. hardcover that's called the 75 Years of Shazam or something like that that DC put out that's just stories from different eras that kind of walk you through all of these different versions of the character. And so the the Mr. Mind stuff in the Golden Age is some of the most fun bonkers. Like, this, what? What happened? He took over a movie studio and now he's trying to cap Captain trap Captain Marvel into, like, it's, it's this very, very bizarre and out there Golden Age delight. Uh, I love this character. I think it's really fun that a bunch of people are about to know who he is, and I just had to throw a shout-out for all the weird stuff. Do people still call him Captain Marvel? 
we shouldn't, but we do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard habit to break. There's a, a solo series he has right now, and they made, uh, like, I, they came really close to making a saying Captain Marvel joke. Um, and they just sort of backed off, but we all know what's happening. But his name is Shazam now, and we're getting used to it, and he just, you know, can't say it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do love the fact that Brie Larson, who had the the opening weekend of her film, like went to the theaters and was she had that picture of her, that iconic one now <laughs> where she's like drinking from a cup, like a soda cup and then has some popcorn. And then Zachary Levi also took the same exact and everyone tweeted like Captain Marvel's, you know, Honestly, it was so great. I think it's beautiful because especially like. 10, 15 years ago, if you told me Billy Batson and Carol Danvers are both getting movies, and not only are they both getting movies, they are coming out a month apart, I would have called you a liar. <laughs> I would have been like, there's just no way that that is happening. I would love that, but it's not at all realistic. Uh, so anyway, I love the future. It gives us <laughs> awesome things like two Captain Marvel movies back to back. I know. It's, it's such a beautiful thing and so much fun. I mean... <sighs> Man, it's a good time to be a comic book fan, I must say. Uh, but, you know, is, is it about that time? We're about to go on a quick break, and then we're going to come back, uh, give a few closing thoughts, and then I'm going to hit you with a fun question uh, that I'm going to wait till the moment that I ask it to let you know. See you after this break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico, 
and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. And we are back. So in January 2017, DC and New Line Cinema announced the Shazam film. Do you remember? I don't really quite remember when this was originally announced, like how everyone felt about it. Was it the same time that was Zachary announced also right away or did we know? I feel like that... it was a while before we got Zach Levi. Oh, which was, okay. He was kind of. For me, it was the puzzle piece that I was like, oh, okay, this is a really fun choice. I could be remembering that wrong. But I, because oh, okay. I remember being confused about, like, why they were separating the movies. And, you know, I had had my fan casting that I thought would be cool if Dwayne Johnson played him or, like, played both of them and all this. And I had time. Oh, dang. I, well, I just thought that would have been made. I'm just they should have. They- <laughs> Look at you. That would have been so funny to have The Rock playing both Shazam and Black Adam. <gasps> he would have been a Lapita. That would have been been really cool. But I had time to wonder about that and let all that time pass. And then I was ready to be like, okay, but what are we actually doing when they cast Zachary Levi? And I was like, oh, ho, ho, this is going to be fun. Yeah, so in July of that year, David F. Sandberg was confirmed as a director, which I thought was really cool and interesting. I mean, he's typically known for directing horror. Mm. Um, He did Lights Out. We talked about this on our How We Got Here uh, podcast. But my favorite thing ever is his Lights Out short uh, which oh, is yeah. terrifying and beautiful in under three minutes Oof. and just, oh, it's Oof. so great. Uh, and then, yeah, he directed Lights Out. He did Annabelle, right? Is that correct? Yep. <laughs> so it was an interesting choice that they picked him, but one, so far, a lot of the reviews have been really great about it. And then, yes, in October t- 27 of 2017, they cast Zachary Levi and then Asher Angel, who plays Billy Batson, little Billy Batson. So, and, and then, of course, um, Dr. Savannah is Mark Strong. Who is just fun to watch at all times, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely was like, oh, we're it just. I I'm I'm excited for most folks to see the film because he was just like, I'm I'm who now? Got it. Let's do this. He has a villainous energy, is what I'm saying. <laughs> He's a very villainous person. So where do you? We're not going to get into the film. Um, we don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, no spoilers. But where do you see the DC? Because there's so much change happening right now yeah, with yeah. it. Uh, not to totally just hijack, but I do think this is a good point to kind of discuss that this is, and I think just what both of y'all have been saying, a welcome change in the DC universe. And I've said this before. I think I said this on Collider Heroes, and I said this on another podcast before, that this is kind of DC's first foray into something fun, exciting, and not necessarily putting the same dark lens filter over all of their movies. So, yeah, what do, what do you... What do you think of for the future, and what's another fun, not dark movie you think the DC should take on? Ooh, it's an interesting question because you know if you if you sort of zoom out to all of DC history, they've done a bunch of different tones, and sometimes I feel like we get unfair where we're sort of like, if the last several films have been this thing, we feel like they've never done anything else. And but the last you know, several ones were Aquaman, which wasn't, and Wonder Woman, which wasn't. Absolutely. In my opinion, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman, I still view as a war. Yeah, no, you're a period piece. Yeah, that, oh, that's exactly very, what it yeah. was, and it was, uh, you know, to uh, you know, pat my own self on the back. <laughs> the reason I think the last few films were successful were two major things. The one thing that I'm gonna pat myself on the back is I said what Marvel was doing right 
right is that they choose a genre for their films. You can even go back to, I think, during the MCU episode, I bring that up. And that's what they've done. They they took Wonder Woman and was like, this is going to be a World War II war movie. Mm. Because if you just took out Wonder Woman and just put like a general in her position, that that could be any war movie. You know, and the fact it just happened to have a superhero. And that's, I think, every good superhero movie just happens to have a superhero. I haven't seen Aquaman yet, but it seems like a fun water romp or whatever. Uh, water romp? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's what oh, I'm going to call wow. it. And this is going to be a fun coming of age film, and that's why these three are so successful. I don't think there's anything wrong with Dark. I think the... Uh, Dark Knight trilogy is great, you know, albeit a little overrated. You know, I think, you know, Ooh. yeah, I think it's over. I think the Dark Knight was phenomenal and carried the other two up in how much in how much everyone likes them. I think the Dark Knight was great and amazing. I think uh, Dark Batman Knight Begins is not underrated. I, I'm. I said over. Tell him. I mean, sorry. Amy, yes, the other one. Tell him. It's. That thing is. That thing is over. I mean, it was a great entry, but just as. As a tr- I mean, just... Oh, here's where I totally agree with you. I love those movies, uh, but I do think that it was sort of a mistake in the aftermath of them to assume that all movies needed to be those movies. Oh, yeah. those movies were those movies. And, you- and the truth is that, like, comics is not a genre. Comics is a medium. Thank Superheroes you. is closer to a genre. But, but the not. truth is that even within that, you get better stories when you let them, like, you know, I, I think that... You don't need to like be embarrassed about being a superhero movie. You don't yeah. need to be like D- it doesn't even matter if they have powers. You can let the powers be part of the fun and the magic. And please, can... for the love of God, don't ask your fans to wake up. You came into our world. You came into our medium. You're making stuff based off of what we liked. You need to wake up, Zack Snyder. I'm sorry, but I'm the biggest as a creative. That that made me scoff so hard because it's like you can't come into someone's subculture and be like, "Oh no, y'all need to wake up. This is how it should be done." Because it's like, no, bro, we're telling you you're doing it wrong, and you're you are. <laughs> so what, Batman <laughs> killed that one? It it is funny because it is the thing where it's like, yeah, it's not the biggest deal. Like there can be a Batman that kills. We can do that. We can establish that. I don't think any changes there. But to like yell at everyone and just basically like he he truly did insult fans. He literally said, you know, and then when you lost your virginity, it was like we really doing that. You are literally a the same jock who goofed on nerds making movies for us, and you're you just revealed yourself it really was not that like it, it, it uh, they were not <laughs> nice things to say and it was weird where it was sort of like but what you just said like but that is how fans talk to each other but like you know maybe when we're younger and yeah. before we think through how our words make other people feel i don't yeah. know <laughs> i was gonna say i had that whole <laughs> i had a whole thread on my thing that Koi, actually your co-host, mm. um, wrote me. <laughs> he was like, I'm thinking of you right now with these Punisher comments. <laughs> because all I wanted to say was, um, it wasn't that I, I mean, Batman has killed. Don't don't at me, but he has, like canonically. And also, I mean, if you're counting all the people he's punched off a building that we don't know if they lived or not. To me, I consider those casualties. But whatever. <laughs> no, Anyways. But it, no, do it's you, part of the premise of the fiction is that, like, you know, if Batman just routinely kills people, then Dark Knight Returns, which Snyder and everybody else loves, including me, part of the premise of that film is, like, what if Batman could, like, killed. Like, or not film. Part of the premise of that story right. is that line. Right. And if the line doesn't exist, then the story doesn't mean anything. So maybe we participate in the fiction. Maybe we let that be the case. Like, it doesn't make you dumb to 
a believe in premises of a story. I think I I agree. I think for me, it's I'm okay with people taking risks of like, what would it look like if Batman were sure were the like what this? if of it all is the what totally if. legit. Yeah, and there are actually comics that do that with him. You know, there are lines that do that. What if this happened with Batman? Um, for me, like, cause people were tweeting at me like, he has a code. I'm like, so do doctors and police officers. Like, you know, people, he's also human, which I like to remind people of. He's one of my favorite characters, which another thing I had to keep reminding people of when people <laughs> got mad because I was like, no, 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 no. I love him. I love that he's human and that he's flawed and that he makes mistakes for me. But like hearing from so many people, like you were saying, Ify, I heard from so many fans that were like, no, this is so important to us. I was like, okay. I get it now. Like, I get it that also another thing is the world is so horrific already. Why can't we just believe in this man that dresses up like a bat and doesn't kill people? Yeah. And it's, so it's, for me, I'm like, sure, fine. You know what? We're already <laughs> believing a billionaire dresses up like a bat. Why not we just go the extra step and believe that he doesn't kill? So but That's exactly the case. It does feel a little bit like you go back in time to Superman the movie and you're just like, anyone who believes a man can fly is a sucker. And it's yeah. just like, what? No, that's yeah. not... Yeah, that's and I think that's what it is. It's not even necessarily exploring that or all that. That's fine. I think it's the fact that he's like y'all. The the fact that y'all would question why I would move from the source material. This is dumb. Like he basically said, Batman's code is dumb, and I think that's what dr- drove people crazy. It's I do like, feel bad though because the man is allowed to have opinions on Batman. I mean, and but also they're, they're for always me, bad. for me, I know, and they're always we, bad. I'm we're sorry. probably gonna have this a bunch is, of people. No, no, don't come at me. And and I and this is the perfect just desserts for everyone who was asking for the Snyder cut because I know the people who are annoyed by this. I I know there's some Snyder cut folks who are like, yeah, but the people who are annoyed by this are also Snyder cut folks. You asked for this. This is is this your king? Is this your king? If they do like it, uh, that's that's a, it's a difference of opinion. I might not agree with it, but like that that's what. Anyway, I don't know. That's a separate discussion. So is a separate discussion. I think one thing that I feel like we always seem to agree on is I am glad when someone finds joy in a film. So even if I didn't find joy in a film, I'm glad that somebody that it resonated with someone. Yes. And another thing is for me personally, I don't mind when filmmakers take risks or want to see a different story. But also we have Dragon Ball Evolution, so I shouldn't talk. So anyways... Yeah, my, my thing is like I and, and just just because I wanted truly like just so no one's confused. I have no problems with people taking that risk, but I have a big problem when people don't respect the source material. When people are kind of spitting on who you're serving to, because at the end of the day, those are your fans that you're calling virgins and sitting in front and telling to wake up. And it's like, and the thing that the same thing. I mean, if we're going way back when, who was it? I, I think it might have been Azarello who was like challenging someone at a panel and it's like all these corny comic dudes who like talk this machismo it's like I grew up in that life and if we want to play that game catch my fate outside of Hall H but we don't want to do that we don't want to do that we just want to we're, we're pro- just take the criticism and, and succinctly say why instead of trying to be an insulter because I'm the best at that and then if, if I hop in that panel it's going to be a much different one when you're talking to the crowd and no one's challenging you but if it's me 
toe-to-toe Zack Snyder roast battle, I'll send you home crying. Like that's the, and, and I'm, I, it's just like, it, it. it's insulting to have, it's almost as if I walked into a restaurant and before I, and I ordered a steak and the waiter's like, oh, you ordered a steak? Dummy. You, that's what it feels like <laughs> when the Speaking creator... as a person who's worked at a comic shop for many years, uh, it is like the besetting sin of comic shops that people are like, oh, you want that? Well, that's terrible. And it's like, and we see oh, what happens. Yeah. It creates a culture no one wants. Yeah. yeah. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy behind the counter. Don't be that guy in a conversation. I don't know. Just be nice, y'all. Yeah. But in, in the end, you know, I hope, you know, whatever Batman movie you like, I hope you get what you want out of it. But the second thing I never mentioned that made all these recent films uh, good, what's the one thing that was different about all these films uh, besides just the direction they took? They used different directors. Hmm. You had different eyes, different visions on it. The reason the DCEU is so dark and gloomy is because you got the dark and gloomy, you got the regional managers of Hot Topics directing all of the you know, the whole universe. So yeah, all the movies look the same. And that's the thing I was saying on, uh, I think it was Screen Junkies SJU, was like, s- the reason Suicide Squad had no chance at succeeding is because what made Suicide Squad, the comic, so crazy is because it's such a dark turn on this thing. Like, DC Comics are dark, but Suicide Squad was dark, dark. Mm-hmm. You had a suicidal lead of a team who was going to do these missions where they weren't supposed to come. And that's dark, dark. But if all your movies are dark, how is this going to pop out of your collection of movies? So now if you have movies like Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Shazam out there, and you do this new Suicide Squad that Gunn's working on, it's going to pop when you see it because you're going to be like, oh, this is dark, dark. And I know, like, even that film has people who found a ton of joy in it. Yeah. But oh, you yeah. make, like, there is a strong case to be made for, like, let the different parts of the universe be different. Let them yes. embrace what's good about them. Mm-hmm. Billy Batson doesn't need to be involved in any discussions <laughs> about heroes killing people. Yeah. You know, like, it's let this be what it is. And in terms of what it means for the future, I hope that people love and find this film. I hope that they enjoy, like, I love that they got a horror guy because there's an element of fantasy and mythology to it. Like what we talked about earlier, those comics were never afraid to be like, you literally got your powers from a wizard. Yeah. You're going to, you're still mm-hmm. going to fight Nazis and do all the normal golden age comic stuff, but we're not afraid of the, like, of monsters and out there stuff. And I feel like there's so much more they can do there that I am excited, hopefully, we'll get to see happen. But the other thing is, like, don't put all that weight on one movie. Just let this movie right, right, be a right. good time yes. at the Gosh, movies. There was so much weight on Wonder Woman. When you yeah. think of how yeah. she... It was terrifying. Well, when you think of how she blew everyone out of the water and how Patty Jenkins, like just how amazing that oh, film yeah. was, but everything was riding on that film. Yeah. You know, and it's... and Luckily yeah. she's Wonder Woman, so she was up to it. That's true. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I love her so much. I, on Heroes, um, Amy and I just got to geek out about Wonder Woman. I mean, I just, she's my, aside from the Dragon Ball tattoo, that was the other tattoo I was thinking of getting. Yeah. Mm. Wonder Woman is my, she is my everything that I aspire to be. Actually not because I post like thirst traps and cuss all the time, which I don't know. Well, you know, I, I think like, she'd be down. Like, I think yeah. 2019's Wonder Woman would be, would be down, down. <laughs> yeah. for uh, that. So the last question I want to ask, Amy, uh, actually has uh, just a simple question that I think will help a lot of listeners. Someone slid into my DMs recently. It was Tomiwa, uh, A-O Tomiwa T underscore on Twitter. And he said, hey, man, love Nerdificent. You do, uh, as you said, love what you do on Nerdificent. Question, do you read the Marvel DC comics regularly or as religiously as I hope? Uh, 
I'm a, I'm like a whole ass year behind on uh, comics, maybe even more than that. And I wanted to know if you have opinions on where I can jump right in without missing too much. To which I replied, yo, in all caps, I'm in the same position, but I'm getting the answer to your question from Amy Dallin. So Aww. we're in good hands. I'll let you know. Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, it depends on what you are looking for. There, there used to be a rule in comics. Every comic is someone's first. And it was one of those, like, where, whatever you're doing, make sure somebody can jump in right now. And obviously these days, because we have most things get collected in trade paperbacks, uh, most things you expect, like, we, they, they call it writing for the trade, where now people are planning out a lot of arcs and they're sort of, like, assuming that you'll try to catch up. So essentially finding any number one is designed to be a good jumping on for, point for folks. But all of the people making these are working really hard to try and give their a good jumping on point every few months for every book. It's an impossible challenge, but that's what they try to do. So if, you, if you're specifically like about a year behind and you just want to marathon some stuff, uh, both of the major companies have services you can look at. Marvel Unlimited has a subscription thing where you can digitally read basically everything six months old and older. Um, so if there's like a story from the last couple of years you really want to catch up on, first of all, your local library might have that trade paperback. Uh, second of all, your, your local comic book store might be able to find that for you. But third of all, you can just pop around on Marvel Unlimited and look for that. DC has DC Universe, and that one is more curating, like, especially if you just don't know where to start with a character, they're doing lists of, like, best Batman story, uh, how to meet the Doom Patrol if you're watching the TV show on DC Universe. Uh, they're sort of curating a rotating collection uh, over there for that. Now, if you don't, if you have a, a friendly local comic book store, go in, ask. If they're not nice, find a different one. But I <laughs> promise a lot of us are nice, and we're really excited for you to be there and read some books. Uh, pay attention to the company's social media because they're working really hard these days to be like, uh, here's our latest press release about the exciting thing that's happening in a couple of months. So they just announced that Jonathan Hickman, who's a writer uh, who uh, has Hickman. been indie only for the last couple of years, he's coming back to Marvel. Ooh. He's doing some X-Men stories, Ooh. and that's kicking off in July. They just announced it at the Chicago Con. Oh, I'm so excited. If you don't know, Hickman, had uh, he was writing Future Foundation for a bit, which was the continuation of the Fantastic Four when it was like their whole family, and it was so good. He's very good at almost everything but i like when he takes on teams so i'm excited for him yeah. to be on x-men the key is like don't let it scare you there's no wrong place there's just like whatever calls to you like uh back up to the beginning of an arc or if they're or they like find out when the writer who's currently on there took over and that's usually been designed as a place for you to jump in uh they really they want you to start reading their books you don't need to know everything. You don't need to read everything. Libraries can help. The internet can help. Your friendly local comic store can help. Comixology has an unlimited service that's just a bunch of stuff uh, you can borrow to read and check out. If you have an Amazon Prime membership, I think you get free Comixology Unlimited with that. Oh, wow. Uh, I need to look into that. Yeah, and like... If you want to try a random indie, Image Comics has a thing where nearly all of their volume ones are $9.99 now. So you can basically just try half a year of the book to see if you dig it. Uh, so, yeah, there's just no wrong answer. It depends. Like, figure out if there's a character you want to check on. Just ask around and it'll be like, oh, yeah, just four months ago they started a new Shazam book. He hasn't had his own solo book in years. That started. Number four's out this week. This is a perfect place to start. Perfect. Well, there we go. That was the answer. And I guess the next question is, where can people find you? Oh, 
thank you. Uh, I am at Enthusiamy all over the internet, like enthusiast, but my name. Uh, you get used to it, I promise. And it's been really awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. It was good chatting with you. And me, as you know, I'm Ify Wadiway on Twitter and Instagram, I-F-Y-N-W-A-D-I-W-E. If these on Twitch, lots of nerd fam coming through with them Twitch Prime stuff. So keep the love coming. And remember, you got to come back every month. It doesn't do it by itself. I need you. I need you. I promise you I need you. And the Discord, salts, uh, discord.gg slash salt squad if you want to continue the convo. Danny was in there talking up a storm this what morning. She, she was ready to blow off some steam. So definitely come in there. And... Also, go to Tee Public. We're, we're already, you know, DJ Dan has already been like, look, we got to get some more of these T-shirts, and I got these ideas. So you're going to see some new T-shirts cooked up and ready for you to wear and meet us because it's almost SDCC. And, you know, I don't know where we're going to meet, but we're definitely going to have to meet. We're meeting up. Yeah, no matter what, we're meeting up. And, and, and anyone who doesn't have a Nerdificent shirt, I'm not going to talk to no, you. No, <laughs> if you're, that's not, I will talk to you. <laughs> Um, but also, if you send us pictures of you in your shirt, we will repost them on our Instagram. So that's really cool. I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez. Uh, I was in Discord because we had that discussion with Bechtel cast member uh, last week, and we were talking about Steven Spielberg and yeah. him, his comments on Netflix. And then lo and behold, he's a part of Apple Plus. Anyways, um, I am on a new show on Verve with Open Mike Eagle. He has a show at Comedy Central uh, called New Negroes, which is really cool. And we have a wizarding show where we play two wizards who go to wizarding community college because uh, we didn't what? get into Hogwarts. It's insane. Paul F. Tompkins is in it. Baron Vaughn from Grace and Frankie and New Negroes. And um, gosh, who else? Yadoye Travis uh, from Dark Tank. So many people are in Jamie Loftus. I think Ooh. Carl. It has a lot of uh, How Stuff Works alumni. Jamie yeah. Loftus is on it. Carl Tart, I believe, plays our dog. Uh, Dean, we have a Dean that's a dog. Um, and the only reason I say I think is because he had to do VO for it. So I was not there, but I was there with the dog. Um, it's really great. Yeah, we played two wizards in a wizarding magic school. So check it out. It's on Verve right now. And I think that's it. Like we always say, stay nerdy. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations 
and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America, and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on Easy Mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.